we'll be reading Psalm 135, verses 5 to 12. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their lands as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Thanks, Jenny. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to have you with us. Uh, if you're visiting uh, this morning, just kind of um, been invited to listen along, can I just say a special um, hello and welcome to you? You're very welcome to be with us. And if you do have any questions uh, at the end of um, today, please reach out. I'd love to uh, speak with you. And if I can help in any way, that is uh, what I've given my life to do. So do call me. Uh, I'm going to pray uh, as we start. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for your word. We pray that you'd open the eyes of our hearts and that you'd help me to speak in Jesus name. Amen. So we're continuing our series uh, in uh, the Psalms and we're continuing, continuing to think about uh, God in the Psalms. And the idea is that we uh, each week uh, for the next uh, bunch of weeks, we will be thinking about uh, an attribute or an aspect, a uh, part of uh, God, what he's like, uh, and that the idea is that that will help us to tr know him better, uh, to trust in him and to follow his ways. Uh, just as Psalm 9 says that those who know your name, Lord, uh, put their trust in you. And this week, we're going to be thinking about uh, how God is powerful, thinking about the power of God. Uh, this uh, verse that we've just read out uh, captures it really powerfully, doesn't it? Um, verse six, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. That's a statement of unlimited power and authority. And it's not an isolated statement either. Psalm 115 verse three says, our God is in the heavens he does all that he pleases. He doesn't use hard work that makes him tired. Uh, in the beginning, he spoke and the worlds were made. Psalm 33 verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their starry host. Can you speak something into existence from nothing? As Thomas Watson says, God made the whole world. The whole world cannot make a fly. But the power of God, uh, the power of the Lord, continues over all his creation as he sustains it day by day and moment by moment. Psalm 135 verse 7 says, He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Psalm 104 verse 14 says, You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate. 
Uh, illness belongs to the Lord and is his servant. When Israel uh, grumbled against the Lord, uh, Psalm 106 verse 15 recounts what happened. It says, he sent a wasting disease among them. Even the devil is under God's control. Uh, the picture in Revelation verse uh, uh, chapter 13, another part of the Bible is that, is that of God allowing the devil to have a measure of power. But again, there is no hint whatsoever in the book of Revelation that God is not in control. One of the very main points of the book is that he is indeed in control. The devil is allowed a certain amount of freedom from God, but not an inch beyond that. I'm not going to pause here to answer questions of how God can do such things and remain morally upright. Uh, do get in touch with me during the week if that is a concern of yours. For now, I just want to uh, have us hear God speak for himself. Uh, the Lord rules over history and nations. Psalm 33 verse 10 says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 5 and following, we get an illustration of this. The Lord says through Isaiah, Ah, Assyria, this mighty nation, he says, Ah, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. The whole nation and all its many movements, an instrument in the Lord's hand to do with as he wishes. From whole nations right down to individual kings. For example, the Lord brings uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. He brings him down from his height of power and causes him to live like a madman among the animals. So that Nebuchadnezzar might learn that all earthly authority is delegated authority, freely given by the Lord as he chooses. And in the end, Nebuchadnezzar rightly declares this about the Lord. He says, his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the power of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Right down to the power over the very heart. Exodus chapter 10 verse 27 says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and would not let them go. God is in fact so powerful. At one point, Jesus refers to his father simply as power. Mark 14, 62. And he says, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. Now, those uh, give us a picture of incredible power, unlimited power and an unstoppable will. That's the God uh, of the universe. That's the God that Christians belong to and worship. But why does, heading for you, thinking about this in the Psalms, how does the Psalm writer uh, use this truth? In, in other words, why does he declare these things? Well, we get a, a glimpse of it in the psalm that we've just read in verse 14. Uh, just after recounting the Lord's power over creation, 
uh, and then, which we've read this morning, and then over his uh, recounting his power over Egypt when he delivered his people, great acts of power. He then says, the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The reason to recall uh, the power of the Lord uh, for the Israelites is so that they can remind themselves who is on their side. We've got a superpower on our side. And so these become words of hope and comfort and courage uh, for the nation of Israel. Uh, and an example of this uh, might be uh, a rugby team. I, I was reminded in thinking of this um, idea uh, about the uh, rugby player Jonah Lomu. Uh, and I'm probably showing my age, I guess. And I, I do trust that enough of you will remember who he was. Uh, Jonah Lomu was a, a Kiwi rugby player. He was a winger uh, and he was a big guy, uh, powerful and fast. Um, and I remember uh, my dad, I was 13 at the time in the, in the Rugby World Cup in 1995. And uh, my dad showing me, you know, calling me in to see this try that Lomu had scored where he just kind of steamrolls straight over the winger. Um, and then I just looked it up this week online to think, you know, I thought, I wonder if I'll find that try. So I put in Jonah Lomu tries and sure enough, there it is. Uh, sad to say it was actually against England. Um, but perhaps more impressive is his try uh, against the French in that World Cup, where he just kind of straight through a whole bunch of blokes and just kind of drags them along with him uh, as he makes his way to the try. Underneath that little YouTube video, this is uh, a quote from, uh, he's, he's got himself written as Luchi Boy or Luchi Boy, uh, and, it's, and, and it captures it, I think, this will sum it up. He writes, <coughs> some guy from his living room, Jonah's tries were ridiculous. You can't even get tries like that on the bleeping PlayStation. No one could ever match him on sheer power and pace. It's like having the cheat codes on a real rugby match. All coaches with Jonah on their team would be like, okay, team, game plan today is pass the ball to Jonah. Quote, Lucci boy. Now, that's a bit of a, you know, um, uh, more of a light-hearted uh, topic, uh, but it illustrates the point. Um, for the Israelites, they've got somebody infinitely more powerful, uh, an infinitely stronger weapon, uh, fighting an infinitely more important battle. They've got the Lord on their side, and he's the one who can rescue them from their enemies and from their troubles. And that's where the psalm writer appeals to the power of the Lord. But what about us, you might ask? Okay, that's great, but we don't really have physical national enemies, do we, that we need, uh, that, that we need the Lord to fight on our behalf for? We're not looking up to the Lord in his strength to say, oh, isn't it great because he can beat our enemies? Well, actually, for us and for them, we've got a bigger problem. When it comes to us, there's a bigger problem uh, than the Assyrian army. Because the way that the Bible story goes is that as it turns out, uh, the story starts where it looks like Israel are the good guys and the nations are the bad guys. But as the story progresses, we find out that actually Israel is also among the bad guys and the only good guy is the Lord. And so the picture really uh, 
is, is that all the nations set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. That's what uh, Psalm 2, the picture Psalm 2 gives us. And actually, that's the picture that we arrive with by the time Jesus is crucified, isn't it? Uh, that's why it's a hard question to ask who killed Jesus. Uh, was it the Jewish leaders and the crowd or was it uh, Rome uh, under, by the hand of Pilate? Well, the answer is both, actually. Uh, everybody, all the kingdoms of the world, are uh, arrayed against the Lord. But then the Bible tells us, it pulls the layer back, and this is actually behind that, there's, a, there's another force at work. It's yes that all the kingdoms are there, but there's a, another power, and that's the devil. The devil is actually at work behind all kingdoms, uh, and he's the power ruling the whole world. Uh, this is 1 John 5 verse 19, where, where John tells us the whole world lies in the power uh, of the evil one. Or um, Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Uh, or Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 that the prince of the, the print, sorry, that we, uh, when we, before we were saved, were um, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work among the sons of disobedience. Uh, the devil is actually behind all the rebellion uh, against the Lord. And that's the real enemy. Uh, and that's the real problem. Um, and it's not that the devil is just kind of working on his own, um, grabbing unwilling, reluctant um, servants to do his bidding. No, we actually uh, love darkness. John 3.19 says, this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, but the people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Uh, as someone else has said, that the devil beats the drum and we love to dance to the music. He takes what we love um, and he says, come and be in my kingdom and you can have your way, as it were. So we start out as servants and we end up as slaves. It's the same in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 13 uh, to 31, where uh, the Lord laments his people and says, the prophets prophesy lies and the priests rule by their own authority and my people love to have it so. Um, we are following the prince of the power of the air, and we do it willingly. That's the situation of the world. The situation of the world is that there is this great big problem. The devil, he's unseen. Many people don't believe in him, but he's got, in, he's got sway over the whole world, and our own sinful hearts love the sound of his music, and they completely enslave us. The devil is our biggest problem and sin is our biggest problem. And both of these two things lead to death. They are three big enemies that we face as people. Now, <clears throat> it's right here where God exerts his mighty power. Not to defeat an enemy less threatening and less serious than a fully equipped and savage Assyrian army, but more so. God exerts his mighty power through Jesus to defeat and overthrow the woefully corrupt human heart and the cunning destroyer, the devil, and the death that they bring. The Bible teaches us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who do not believe, but to us who believe, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. And it's the power of God because at the cross, God delivers us from the enemy of death by going through death on our behalf. 
because at the cross, he defeats the enemy of sin by taking all its punishment for us. At the cross, he defeats the devil by removing all of his ammunition for accusation on the one hand and equipping us with new hearts and new power to resist his temptations and spot his wiles on the other. While when we uh, see Jesus for who he really is, we're no longer blinded by the devil's lies. We're no longer lured by his subtle temptations and we're no longer open to his real charges against us. We praise the mighty power of God in Jesus Christ because here through Jesus, through his life, death, resurrection, ascension, uh, he has rescued us from our biggest enemies, ourselves, the devil and death. This doesn't happen automatically. It is truly the free gift uh, of God, but it needs to be received by faith. And if you're listening in, uh, it is a gift. We need to receive it and you can receive it today. Now, the thing is, if we have God on our side now in Christ, we have this unlimited power in service to us. It boggles the mind to think of it, doesn't it? That the Lord through Jesus has entered into a covenant commitment to do good to you both now and forever. That's why Paul can say in Romans 8 verse 28, all things work together for good. How? Why? Is that by chance? No, not by chance. Because God works all things together according to the counsel of his will. And by virtue of being in his son, he has committed to do you good with all his power. Uh, it's as Jeremiah Burroughs, uh, who is, um, uh, has, has written one of my favorite quotes. And he says, the position of a believer uh, is, is that he is set apart, he or she is set apart to the end that God might uh, manifest for all eternity what his infinite power is able to do to make a creature happy. Uh, that is uh, the infinite power of God on our behalf. So that's what God does through Christ. He delivers us from these great big enemies. But what about uh, uh, now? What about ongoing? Well, God gives us his Holy Spirit uh, to equip us and empower us. The Holy Spirit is the power of God for us uh, day by day. It's not just a one-time act. Uh, the first mighty act of God by the Holy Spirit is to make us alive. When we were dead in our sins, just as he raised his son from the dead, he exerts his mighty power to, ra to raise spiritually dead people to life. And then what he does is by his spirit, he guards us through faith for the salvation that he's prepared uh, at the end of time. Uh, just as Jesus says in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And check this out. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. Amen. We read that in the Psalms. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. No. He does all that he pleases. And if he pleases to take hold of you and preserve you till all eternity, he will do precisely that. He helps us in this, in this process, the Holy Spirit, by helping us to resist temptation. 
He is the power of God at work in us to say no to sin uh, and yes to following Jesus. He gives us strength to serve. He causes us to abound in hope. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul says, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope. And don't we feel that we need that? I love the way the psalm writer says, uh, you, when, when my, flesh, my flesh and my heart may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of our own strength, where we are weak and we can't do it and we look to God and say, Lord, help. Uh, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to grasp and understand the love of Jesus. Paul says that in Ephesians, doesn't he? He says, it's amazing where he's, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, right? That you might have strength, be strengthened with power in your inner being so that you can uh, grasp, understand the height and depth and, and, and width of the love of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit we actually need to, to enlarge our souls, to grasp how incredible it is uh, that, that God has loved us the way that he has through his son. The Holy Spirit preserves us now and he will raise us from the dead and bring us into uh, everlasting joy, as I've already said. And that Jeremiah Burroughs quote, which I've already mentioned, really is um, him just paraphrasing, as it were, uh, Ephesians chapter two, where it says that uh, God showed grace to us in Christ show, so that in the coming ages he might show he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Uh, the immeasurable riches of his grace. And why and how can he do that? Because he does as he pleases and nobody can stay his hand. If he commits himself to demonstrating what his infinite power is able to do to make a creature happy, that is what he will do. Now, it's really key at this point just to hold on to this because we mustn't take the power of God and say, uh, make it mean for us whatever we want it to mean. These are the great big things in our life that we need the power of the Holy Spirit for, that our faith would remain firm now until the end, that we might be faithful witnesses of Christ, that we might put sin to death uh, and not be ensnared by its deceitfulness. Uh, that we might be raised to eternal life uh, and live with him in his new creation. These are the great things that we really need. Uh, not a better car or a better house or a, or a, or a, um, or a spouse uh, or a, whatever else it might be that you could add to that. These are the things that we need God to work his mighty arm on our behalf for. Now, <clears throat> just another thing to comment on at this point uh, under the, the power of the Holy Spirit toward us is that we don't graduate uh, from uh, being dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Dan mentioned something in a little uh, Zoom meeting last week, <clears throat> and it was about the Lord's Prayer, where he says, uh, give us today our daily bread. Uh, and just pointed out that we never graduate from that place of needing daily bread. 
and, and it's exactly the same for the whole of the Christian life with respect to the strength of, that the Holy Spirit provides. It's not like he gives us strength. He, he kind of empowers us so that we can kind of then go off and do it in our own strength. No, we, we continually rely day by day on his strength. And that's how we have strength. We don't graduate from needing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. Not because the shepherd makes the sheep self-sustaining, but because the shepherd is the one who's able to supply and lead the sheep into all that the sheep needs. The sheep doesn't stop being a sheep. The reason the sheep has no lack is because it's connected to the shepherd. And that's the same for us. Paul can put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says um, uh, that my, uh, the Lord said to me, my strength is, my grace is sufficient for you because uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Our weakness, the Lord's strength, that's how the two go together. And they continue that way and never change. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God to us day by day. He delivers us from our big enemies. He continues to sustain us and he'll carry us to glory. This is the mighty power of God on our behalf. But, uh, sorry, and these are words. <clears throat> what are they? They're words for us, God's power for us to bring comfort and hope. That's comfort and hope that we might lean on him and look to him. Uh, but there's one more thing that I want to um, add, and that is that the power of God is for us, not just as a comfort, but also uh, for mission. It's also for mission. So the Lord's power comforts us, but it also gives us courage. And this is where we'll uh, finish our time together. In Matthew 28, Jesus is um, finished his work. He's died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He's meeting with his disciples before he ascends to heaven and he's giving them instructions. And he says to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and be comforted. Those of us who know our Bibles know that that's not what he says, does he? He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. All authority given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Jesus also says in Acts, this is this period where Jesus is ascending and the disciples are going to take on the mission. And he says, wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. What's that power for? We've, I've pointed out a bunch of things that the Holy Spirit gives us power for. But those, many of those things there, as I mentioned, they were all just for us. But the Lord is talking about empowering you with the Holy Spirit, his mighty power, through you to be faithful witnesses, to make disciples of all nations. And so what we uh, need to do with when we think about the power of God is we need to say, ah, yes, the Lord is powerful. He can defeat his enemies. He can subdue his enemies. And when that comes to physical, uh, human enemies in this present life, he's subduing them currently by winning their hearts by the love of Christ. That 
uh, as uh, Jesus says in the Gospels, uh, with man, this is impossible when someone talks about being saved. But he says, with God, all things are possible. Nothing's impossible with God, Jesus says. And the key thing here is nothing's impossible with him, even saving sinners who have hardened themselves against him. The fact that Jesus's power, uh, sorry, the, the Lord's power can extend right down into the heart is good news because he can take out the heart of stone and he can put in the heart of flesh. He can actually bring that salvation that we need and that others need. It's not that Jesus doesn't have anything to say about comfort. He does. Uh, but it's comfort in the midst of the mission of advancing the kingdom of God. Uh, the Lord will be exalted. He will subdue his enemies and he will win hearts to himself. You might be listening to this and thinking, well, I'm actually not a follower of Jesus. And you're talking about God winning my heart over. I, I do realize that might sound odd, uh, but nobody on the inside is ungrateful that the Lord has won our hearts. Nobody on the inside is thinking, I really regret that God has shown me his amazing love for me in Christ and given me these incredible blessings of knowing him and giving me hope uh, of eternal life uh, in his new creation. And so uh, Christians don't wish that for other people because they're cruel. Christians wish that for other people because uh, they love other people and they want other people to know uh, those blessings as well. So <clears throat> that's where we're going to end our time here. Uh, the Lord uh, is powerful. He's in heaven and he does all that he pleases. Uh, he can defeat his enemies and he's defeated his greatest enemies. Uh, on our behalf. He's delivered us through the cross. He empowers us by his Holy Spirit to follow him. He preserves us and he, he, he empowers us for mission so that we can with courage step out and say, it's not in my power because I can't do anything. I can't convert one person uh, in my own strength, but the Lord can. Because where it said earlier, where uh, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, uh, to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of the knowledge of, of Christ in the, um, sorry, in the, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Then it's, then Paul says, uh, but that God has shone into our hearts, just as he spoke uh, into uh, blackness at the beginning of creation and gave life, said, let there be light. He does exactly the same thing uh, into our dark hearts. And he can do that uh, in dark hearts all around the world uh, today. He can say, let there be light, that they might see the light uh, of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give thanks and pray. Father in heaven, uh, I pray that by the power of your mighty spirit, uh, you might use these words today to bless your people, to advance your kingdom, to glorify your name. Uh, we say together, uh, Lord, that you are high above. You are the great God. Uh, you are in heaven. You do all that you please. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.